0: Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this.
1: Mark, walk with me. What is it, Hal? I want us both to
0: sound really smart while we walk down a hallway and somehow are not out of breath. If we just talk really fast, will that make us sound smart? I think it'll make us sound smart if we just talk fast.
1: Do you know one time... Before, I think Molina was trying to remember something backstage. Oh no, we uh-huh. were playing a game. We were playing like words with friends or something like that. So something that was time-based. And mm-hmm. when it was his turn, I just started peppering. Like it's hard to walk and talk at the same time. Do you have trouble memorizing all that dialogue? <laughs> Do you have to say it really fast? Do you ever have to say it really slow? <laughs> Aaron Sorkin is now. I have to. You know how like people have to reveal I have some tie to this. Mm-hmm. Time Warner is the parent company of CNN. If you hear them write about, about right. Time Warner, they have to say it. I am, as is Aaron Sorkin. A graduate of Syracuse University. So we we're That's fellow funny. alumni of Syracuse. <laughs> he did come back my senior year. Really? Yes, it was the 20th anniversary of the Syracuse stage. The Syracuse Drama Department, SU Drama, is mm-hmm. affiliated with Syracuse State, which is a regional equity theater. Mm-hmm. So the first play of that season was A Few Good Men, and he came back and talked to the students. He
0: came back into the... the. Hold on, let me guess. Did he come back and talk to the students from one end of a hallway to the end of it?
1: Yeah, you had to walk and follow him while he told you everything. Amazing. He spoke in the drama main stage, not Syracuse stage, and you gotcha. could not get into the room. I tried to get in as a minor... Like, Mm -hmm. I think there were majors that couldn't get in the room. It was absolutely packed. So that is what he carries there. Another fun Syracuse bit for you at the end of the American president when he's getting ready to give the State of the Union and they're doing the roll call. Those Mm -hmm. are all professors from Syracuse drama
0: that he's announcing. Brilliant. I think I've always been a fan of Aaron Sorkin. Mm -hmm. I love his style. I I, I loved a few good men growing up. I love the way that he writes. I love... The stories that he tells, I like the way he weaves things. His—I don't know if it's a work ethic, but his work proliferation is uh-huh. insane. He wrote—there fi- were 58 episodes in the first four seasons of The West Wing, I think—and he wrote 57 of them solo. Like, right. it is wild. He is not without some controversies in some things, in that he'll have a whole writing staff and will refuse to let them do any work. He said he gave away story credit like as a bonus to people. Even right. though he would do the all of the work on it. And I know he's loud and bombastic in the ways that many of his characters are. But I can't argue with some of these stories being some of my absolute favorite pieces of television ever. And movies.
1: The stuff sticks. Uh, they, there's something to his dialogue that's aspirational.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: In,
1: in that, like, oh, I wish I was that smart. Everybody's yeah. saying, you know, it's not like it's it's not the most realistic. It's, it, right. it's every character is saying what somebody else wishes they were saying. Yeah, And there is something to that that makes it stick in your brain and makes the characters memorable. When you think of Aaron Sturkey, you think of this gigantic body of work, and he's no Mm -hmm. slouch. But we're talking about 11 movies and four television shows, and that is it. Yeah. But boy, are they good. They're fantastic.
0: I will say you mentioned that he is his language, the way that he writes is aspirational in a way that nobody talks. I would argue that his characters and his storylines have an aspirational hope to them Mm -hmm. that the respective industries that they are in. Also does not share like his West wing is such an idealized version of the West wing. His studio 60 on the sunset strip is such an idealized version of SNL sports night. The newsroom is an ideal version of what the news should be. All he has these grand sweeping monologues about the way things should be and his thoughts on, you know, the way the world ought to be that I agree with when I hear them. I'm like, yeah, that would be nice if that were the case. And sure. coming out of Emily Mortimer's mouth, it's all the better because she's so good, and Jeff Daniels is so good. Can you tell which one of these I watched most recently?
1: Oh, yes, I think I can yeah. tell. Studio 60 on <laughs> the Sunset Strip. No, but we'll
0: get to that one.
1: Yeah, I feel like we should talk about his television shows, and then mm-hmm. talk about his movies, and then pick yeah. one of each. And that then sounds maybe great. Decide from that. Sure. Let's start with TV because there are only four series in chronological mm-hmm. order. You have Sports Night a year after he starts Sport Night, Sports, uh, Sport Night, Sports Night. Sport Night. That was Sport the night. European
0: version.
3: Right. That's actually
1: my deodorant. I wear Sport Night. Uh, You have Sports Night, which starts in '98. Then a year Mm -hmm. later in '99, he starts The West Wing. He that is over in 2006, at which point he starts Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. That ends in 2007. He writes three movies in that time, and then in 2012, he starts on the
0: Newsroom, which runs Mm -hmm. for two years, two three years, three seasons, I think. Yeah, yeah, three seasons. Studio 60, uh, sadly, only one season.
1: I'm amazed looking at this. Mm -hmm. To be honest with you, that it went for 22 episodes. I'm shocked looking at that because my memory of it is that after three episodes, it was done.
0: It fell off. It did fall off midway through the season, I think. When they are, except when it was boosted midway through by John Goodman and his appearance on the show, right. which I thought was John Goodman showing up in Sorkin stuff is so fun because he's so good at it. He had that arc on the West Wing. He had that. I don't know if he was in any of the others because I just started Newsroom, but, uh, his arc on, uh, West Wing, but his, his character of a small town sheriff who is way more well read than the rest of the characters think he should be or is because he's an Aaron Sorkin character, which is the reason why it's like, but I loved, I encourage everyone. I look, I know it's not going to win. And frequently we throw our subjective choices into the mix with our objective choices. I love the first two episodes of studio 60 on the sunset strip. Those two episodes, you don't have to watch the rest of the season. Just watch those first two episodes of studio 60 and they play like a movie. And, the cast is brilliant. The screenplay is brilliant, or teleplay is brilliant. It's executed beautifully. Yeah, I've, I've got nothing bad to say about the first two episodes back to back. Watch them like a movie, and then you don't have to watch the rest of the season because at the end of the season, the last moment of that whole series is Bradley Whitford turning off the ghost light on a stage. The ghost light on a stage's entire purpose is to be the light that is on when all the other lights are off. It's the only reason it exists. You took away the function of the ghost light by turning it off. But yeah, I loved that show. The beginning at the beginning. I loved it. I was out after the first
1: episode. Really? As soon as I saw it, I said, this is not for me. Fair. And we could get into a whole discussion about that. Probably better saved for not the podcast. Cause I'm always happy to talk comedy and television shows with you or anything. Mm-hmm. For that matter. Uh, but for the for the sake of brevity, it, it will not win. Not a chance.
0: <laughs> While we're talking about Studio 60, before we leave, it's got a couple Simon. of great lines. Uh, sure, Simon Helberg, uh, Second City buddy. I think that's part of it is we came up at Second City. We've been doing sketch comedy our whole lives and that to watch like – it's like when I was a kid, my dad didn't want to watch Doogie Hauser because he was a doctor. And it wasn't a realistic yeah. version of what it was. Yeah, my dad doesn't like to play Monopoly. There you
1: Exactly. There you go.
0: True. But I think that there were some great moments in it and there were some great exchanges on it. And I will just give you my favorite line. I have a favorite line from the newsroom and a favorite line from studio 60. And it is, it's just little things. They're almost like little fortune cookies that, uh, Aaron Sorkin drops in. No comedian you admire has ever been afraid of silence. That sentence stuck with me. And as a student of comedy, I thought that that was a really fun and astute thought. Um, that and the moment when an exchange between Sarah Paulson and the late, great Matthew Perry, uh, Hey, in the read through, I, uh, when I asked for the butter, I got a laugh, but when we did it in the show, I didn't, what was wrong? The second time you asked for the laugh, what I do the first time you asked for the butter. That was another one of those moments that you, you knew, knew. Say it's that. these pithy moments, these little pithy scenes that stick with you though. And it's, it's good things to remember if you, you know, have this job. Yeah. But it's not
1: going to uh, win. No, it's not. I
0: feel like you viscerally do not like that show. I, vi-
1: I have a visceral reaction to it yeah. for the same reason that you like it, which is like, mm-hmm. I have a reverence for comedy and I've mm-hmm. been working in it and at it for yeah. Lord, I don't know. I don't it was a know drama about is. comedy. Almost 30 years. Yeah. I'd say I've been, I've been in one form or another doing it and it was a, it was a show about a comedy show that was supposed to be funny that didn't seem like it was funny at all yeah. in any way, shape or form. And that's where it broke down for me. I, and I don't think that's like Aaron Sorkin is not a sketch writing guy. No. He writes great scenes, writes great dialogue, is not yeah. a sketch guy. So this idea of like, of that show is going to teach us what comedy is. Right. That's where I got off the bus and it was, it was pretty early in
0: it. That's, but yeah. if you like it, then it's great.
1: You have it. Yeah, I, I agree that the, enjoy.
0: the comedy segments are not that funny. Yeah. But it's not, that's not what it was about. Right. And it, came, it also came out at the same time that a comedy about a comedy show came out. That was great. Which is 30 rock. Same season. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah they dropped rock. the same year and it was like, Oh, I'll watch the, if it's about a comedy show, I'll watch the funny one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Way superior.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, Because it was written by somebody who was the head writer of SNL. <laughs> So yeah. the show seemed like it was even the part of it parts of it that weren't funny were intentionally done that way. Right. Which one do you want to talk about next? Sports night is interesting because for the first, I think by maybe the entirety of the first season, if not part of it, there was a laugh track. They faded the laugh existence. track late in
0: the first season. Yeah. They yeah.
1: finally got rid of it and that like it never needed that. It it no. was not it's not good with the laugh track in it. That it hurt it. But it mm-hmm. is a really smart show. It's really good. It was Josh Molina's first big television thing. Yeah. He has since gone on to, and this is not, uh, this is, at this point, this is the third appearance in a project for him. He's mm-hmm. in both a few good men and the American president and yeah. did a few good men on Broadway. So he was already a Sorkin guy. You know, he is the Sorkin guy that we know, mm-hmm. but he really kind of sings in this show. It's really good. Robert Guillaume is fantastic.
3: It's a uh, brilliant cast. Is great.
1: Felicity Huffman, like, Just a killer, killer cast.
0: Yeah. It's Aaron Sorkin tackles this version of a television, you know, of television. You know what I mean? Or this version of a thing. And there are, you know, there's a few different segments of entertainment that Aaron Sorkin, you know, dives deep into. And ESPN is one of the great ones. Like, of course, do your version of ESPN, which this was written while he was up late writing something else. I think it was The American President. And, uh, and he was, yeah. he would have Sports Center on at night.
1: Yeah. He might have been, oh yeah, maybe he was writing them at the same time. American mm-hmm. president came out in 95. So he would have been developing it for a while. It might be yeah. some, this could be something he had in a drawer. Sure. Yeah. Probably. Something else. You know. Yeah. There is something about it that makes it kind of a mirror image to mm-hmm. the newsroom and that they're both about the production of this television show. But more importantly, it's about the people around it. Yeah. I think it gets a lot of love, not only because it's a great show, because it's gone too soon. Yeah, it got canceled and it never got the landing that it could have had. You didn't, you never got to see what might have happened. Mm-hmm. And so there is this sort of hanging Chad element to it that makes it really compelling. Mm-hmm. But I don't I, I mean, it's not sports night. I don't think it's sports. Night. I don't think it's the newsroom either. I think we know it. A, we knew what it was when we when you yeah, said we're going to divide it up TV versus film. Yeah, it's definitely the West Wing. Yeah, but the newsroom. 100%. I would say the opening scene in the newsroom where he's at the college forum mm-hmm. is maybe one of my favorite Sorkin scenes in how yeah. it's written. And there's really like all the stuff with. I don't know how deep you are into the show, but all the Allison Pill stuff that happens is fantastic. Like mm-hmm. it just really is. I think eventually it just sort of. I think it sagged under its
0: own weight at a certain point. This was where, yeah, this too. was where my hole was was I had not seen the newsroom, so I just started the newsroom when we picked this topic. And I think one thing that Sorkin does so well, and I think it's because he writes movies and he writes plays. I want to talk a little bit about his plays but as an interlude between these. But I think that he does a great job of setting up characters and giving you the backstory that you need, the relationships that you need. Here's a character. Here's their important relationships. Here's their point of view. And uh now you have everything you need for this next 90 minutes of drama. And I think he sets that up so beautifully in the newsroom with every character in that show. Sure. Everybody gets their moment to shine. Everybody gets their moment to succeed, to fail, to love, to lament. And it all happens in one just over an hour pilot. Yeah. I think he's great at pilots he is great at pilots, and it's tough to keep
1: things going over the course of a series. but I think the west wing you know again, like that it didn't land <laughs> it didn't quite land the same way he was already gone by time it ended, but that's
0: the thing we got to, we can only talk about the first four seasons of the West Wing if we're talking about Aaron Sorkin project
1: yeah, it was the right show for the right time. We're coming out mm-hmm. of you know we're starting with the end of the Clinton presidency, mm-hmm. which is a time of economic prosperity, but obviously a ton of scandal that sure. followed and continues to follow Bill Clinton. And then goes into Bush as president, which uh, not everybody was a fan of. So this show was kind of a bomb for no matter what your ideology is. Yeah. Of like, oh, this could be what it's like. It was alternate
0: universe where an alternate universe where, you, you alternate universe where politi- all politicians are competent. It's just they disagree on policy.
1: Yeah. And then this show is going, we're in the, maybe the middle, middle towards the end of his run mm-hmm. when 9-11 happens. And, you know, that episode, obviously, yeah, they, he writes a standalone episode because I think at that time, everybody was looking for comfort at that time. Everybody mm-hmm. wanted to feel better. Uh, whether you lost somebody, whether you almost lost somebody, whether you lost nobody, we all were dealing with something around it and we wanted to feel better and knowing how, this fictional pre our best fictional president winner, like seeing, well, mm-hmm. how would he deal with it? How would Jed Bartlett deal with this situation? yeah, it's a really interesting episode. It's not the best episode, not by far,
3: but it's I loved really it ex
0: Chelsea's Deo, I think is the best episode of mm-hmm. that show ever. I loved that episode because it was so simple. It was a school group is for those who haven't seen it, and correct me if I'm if my memory is not a hundred percent on this, but it's a school group. That uh, was in the White House when the attack happened and they all had to go and hunker down in a bunker together. And it was now we're just doing a Q&A with the White House insiders and this school group who get to sit and ask, why is this happening and what are we going to do about it? You know what I mean? And it was yeah. such a simple way of it was like a bottle episode, a simple way of of executing that. Yeah, I think it was so deftly handled. I think that show so often handled things so sublimely and just everything was – it wasn't always a happy ending, but even when it wasn't a happy ending, it was a satisfying ending. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's really – and plus you've got – every character is so much fun. You've got C.J. Craig, the jackal. You've got Josh Lyman, the mouthy one. You've got Rob Lowe. The brilliant, handsome one. You've got, uh, Jeb Bartlett, obviously the best president of cinema or television fiction.
1: And Stalker Channing as his wife. Lily Tomlin as his secretary. Well, th- at this point, I mean, Mrs. Lanning, she was no Mrs. Mrs. Lanningham, that's but right. she was fantastic. Mrs. Lanningham,
0: that's it. Yeah. Yeah. She was, she came later on. Mrs. Lanningham was great. Yeah. Leo McGarry. I mean, it's just a ton of actors with skill and gravitas
1: and everything that they need. Mm -hmm. it's a fantastic show you know i'll put on stuff when i go to sleep i'll listen to a book or podcast or whatever sometimes Mm -hmm. i will just put on the west wing and i'll listen to it because again the rhythm of his dialogue and hearing there's not a lot of yelling in it and it just uh there's something very soothing about it even with all the drama there's something it still feels idealized even with all the horrific things that
0: they deal with yeah and i just love all the characters and again it's one of those ones where the pilot was perfect the pilot was absolutely perfect it's one day i think the whole pilot takes place in and i just remember the way they introduced toby the you know the curmudgeon of the group uh the way they introduce him is he's got his phone out on an airplane and they're like sir you have to put your phone away we're about to land the plane or we're about to take off And his reaction to that as a White House insider being told to put his phone away is such a brilliant introduction to this character. Yeah. And Allison Janney, I'll watch Allison Janney read a phone book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just great. There's a, they're just a a cast of killers. They're all great. And it won more. Look, If we're going objectively to try and find our objective answer. Yeah. It's got, it got more Emmys in its first season than any show had ever gotten in a single Emmys telecast. So. Yeah. like Come on. So so there you go. That yeah, is our yeah, winner
1: yeah. for television. Let's take a break. And when we come yeah. back, we will talk about the 10 films. I made a mistake. Not 11 films. The oh. 10 films
0: that Aaron Sorkin has written and brought to us. And we'll choose from one of those. I, before we go to the break, I yeah. just want to throw out while we're talking about television, I gave you a line from Studio 60 that I loved. There was a line when I was watching Newsroom from the pilot episode that was yeah. a gut punch said by Sam Waterston. Who is, by the way, brilliant on that show as the slightly drunk head of the network. Yep. But he has a line in there, and it just hit me, and I loved it. So I'll leave you to go to the break with this. You're older than you think. Don't find out the hard way. I love that line.
1: We'll be right back.
2: SoundHeap with John Luke Roberts is a real podcast made up of fake podcasts. Like, if you had a cupboard in your lower back, what would you keep in it? So I'm going to say mugs. A little yoghurt and a spoon. A small
1: handkerchief that was given to me by my grandmother on her deathbed. Maybe some spare honey? I'd keep batteries in it. I'd pretend to be a toy. If I had a cupboard in my lower back,
2: I'd probably fill it with spines. If you had a cupboard in your lower back, what would you keep in it doesn't exist. We made it up for Sound Heap with John Luke Roberts. An award-winning comedy podcast from Maximum Fun, made up of hundreds of stupid podcasts. Listen and subscribe to Sound Heap. With John Luke Roberts, now.
1: Oh, darling, why won't you accept my love?
3: My dear, even though you are a duke, I could never love you. You, you
1: borrowed a book from me and never returned it. (gasps) Save yourself from this terrible fate by listening to Reading Glasses. We'll help you get those borrowed books back and solve all your other reader problems. Reading Glasses, every Thursday on Maximum Fun.
2: Sound Heap with John Luke Roberts is a real podcast made up of fake podcasts. Like, if you had a cupboard in your lower back, what would you keep in it? So I'm going to say mugs. A little yogurt and a spoon.
1: A small handkerchief that was given to me by my grandmother on her deathbed.
2: Maybe some spare honey? I'd keep batteries in it. I'd pretend to be a toy. If I
1: had a cupboard in my lower back,
2: I'd probably fill it with spines. If you had a cupboard in your lower back, what would you keep in it doesn't exist. We made it up for Sound Heap with John Luke Roberts, an award-winning comedy podcast from Maximum Fun made up of hundreds of stupid podcasts. Listen and subscribe to Sound Heap with John Luke Roberts now.
1: Oh, darling... Why won't you accept my love? My dear, even though you are a duke, I
3: could never love you. You, you
1: borrowed a book from me and never returned it. (gasps) Save yourself from this terrible fate by listening to Reading Glasses. We'll help you get those borrowed books back and solve all your other reader problems. Reading Glasses, every Thursday on Maximum Fun. We're back and it is time to dig into the motion picture work of Aaron Sorkin to go through these. Hold
3: in on, before we, do th- that, ah! before we do that,
0: before we do that,
3: I so, did want to well, give
0: a shout out to the theatrical work of Aaron Sorkin real quick. Oh, go ahead. On Broadway a couple of years ago, he did a great version of To Kill a Mockingbird. He put his spin on it. Harper Lee's estate was not entirely pleased to begin with, but it did get mm. crazy critical acclaim. Jeff Daniels played Atticus Finch in it brilliantly. But my favorite play by Aaron Sorkin, if you get a chance to see it, go see it. If you get a chance to read it, read it. It's wonderful. It is right. called The Farnsworth Invention. And it Farnsworth. is all about the birth of television mm. uh, from the point of view of Philo Farnsworth, namesake of the streaming service Philo, who was the, I believe, Nebraska or Kansas, just kid, uh, who was a genius uh, savant who invented television. And David Sarnoff, the NBC or I believe, yeah, NBC executive NBC who also claimed to have invented television and it was the first a it's got a uh, so much great sorkin uh, dialogue in it but it was the first play i ever read that had two narrators competing in telling the same story sometimes you'd see the same scene twice from two different narrators points of view it's a lot of fun it's a brilliant play check it out but on to the cinema
1: on to the cinema in chronological order, we have A Few Good Men, Malice, The American President, Charlie Wilson's War, The Social Network, Moneyball, Steve Jobs, Molly's Game, The Trial of the
0: Chicago 7, and Being the Ricardos. You know what I think he does so well? And I think he does it really well in Steve Jobs and in Being the Ricardos, which is these people are such larger-than-life characters. hmm To tell their story the way like uh, Richard Attenborough's chaplain started from his early childhood through his death and told us this giant sweeping arc of a life. Sorkin didn't do that with either of those movies. He took a moment in time in the case of the Ricardos and I believe three moments in time in the case of Steve Jobs and told us everything we needed to know about them through just those moments. And I love that version of a biopic. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I really like Steve Jobs. I think it's a kind of an underrated Sorkin movie. Mm -hmm. I was not a big fan of being the Ricardos and I was very excited for it. But again, I feel like it missed a lot or it glossed over some of the stuff or like some of the things that I know reading about. The making of I Love Lucy and the relationships Mm -hmm. that were happening off camera. You do get some of that, but I feel like I wanted a lot more than I got. And instead, it focused on something different, which is okay. This is just a pattern I have is I have an expectation Mm -hmm. of something and when that expectation is either not met or when it feels like it's just not met rather than upended and taking me in a brand new direction, then I can't stay with it. And I couldn't stay with being the Ricardos for that reason. Nobody's
0: fault. I think one thing that he did in being the Ricardos that is kind of a, a testament to uh, his writing skill is that I could see why that movie may not have hit so hard and did not really do a ton because the stakes were kind of low. You know what I mean? Like, yes, the whole the stakes of that movie were will people like me? Does my audience still like me after this one thing came out? And that would have been a in a sweeping biopic would have been a footnote. But in this, it's a testament to his ability that he could take what seems like a low stakes moment and raise the stakes so theatrically high with it. But I agree that it does not rise to the level of the stakes of some of his other works. That said, I just – I just wanted to talk about that particular style of storytelling, which I think is a lot of fun. Uh, Absolutely. A biopic that's just a moment
1: in time. For sure. Steve Jobs is great uh, if you have not seen it. It is it is the launch of the Macintosh, then the launch of that computer that he made that was basically his bid to get back in Apple, and then the launch of the new iMac. The
0: iPhone? Or was the iMac? It
1: was the iMac. It's three
0: keynotes. It's three keynotes. Backstage at three keynotes.
1: But it's really his relationship with his daughter, Lisa, and how that progresses. And also – Maybe more importantly, his relationship with Joanna Hoffman as assistant played by mm. Kate Winslet. And again, cast of killers. Jeff Daniels is there. Uh, Michael Stuhlbarg is there as Andy Hertzfeld. Stuhlbarg is one of my favorite character
0: actors. So good.
1: He's he can so do no good. wrong. He's Michael so Fassbender, of course. Seth Rogen is really good as, as Waz. Yeah. So there's a lot there to like. I, I don't know that it's, that it's the best movies ever done, but it's, it's mm. like just eminently watchable. Yeah and it's got it's like super there's like almost no chance to breathe in that movie because everything is up against it has to start we have to get things going we have too many people in here the fire mm-hmm. marshals are going to come in and he's like cover the i want you to cover the exit signs cuz it's going to ruin everything i want you to make sure that like everything's a ticking clock yeah. the whole time and it's not until until the end of the movie where he's willing to stop because his daughter is more important and that's like a yeah. that's like a really good journey mhm Still not his best. I don't think it's his best movie, but it's a really good one.
0: And another one that I don't think is his best but is a lot of fun is The Chicago 7. Yes. It's a great, cool, real, historical story. He does a great job with true stories. Yes. Of adding depth. That, I mean, sure, the, the actual human beings have, but the, the version of them that we see in the media does not by nature have because we're just seeing them in the media, but he adds depth to these characters. I loved his Chicago 7 movie. He was nominated for an Oscar for it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's fun. It's a great
1: cast. Oh my gosh. The cast is killer. You have Eddie Redmayne. You have Sasha Baron Cohen,
0: Jeremy Strong. That Mark was just going to say Lance. it introduced me to Jeremy Strong. That was the first yeah. thing I saw Jeremy Strong yeah, He's
1: greatest as, as Jerry Rubin.
0: Yeah. Mark Carol
1: Lynch, though, as David Dellinger?
0: Come John on, Carol man. Lynch is
1: great in everything.
0: Yeah. It's just, it's a cast of absolutely brilliant. And that's the thing, everybody wants to work with this guy. So you get these great actors delivering great performances. Yeah, it's a really well-crafted, sizzling, kind of stylish version of that story. Yeah. You don't really, because there are so many main characters in that, I don't know that you get... You get Sasha Baron Cohen as Abby Hoffman, but there's so many characters in it. It really focuses on the event, I think, and the yeah. trial more so than the individual characters. The one uh one that I want to put up for contention is mm. one that is primarily Ostensibly, it's about one guy, but I think the heart of the movie is another guy, and that is The Social Network, which I think he won the Oscar for that one. Right. Which also has a great line. I'm just going to keep dropping my favorite Sorkin lines into this. Do it. The first line of that movie. Did you know there are more people with genius IQs in China than there are people of any kind in the United States? It's a great opening line to a movie. Uh, and you think that Jesse Eisenberg is great in this movie. You think it's going to be a movie about Jesse Eisenberg and or about Mark Zuckerberg. But really, it's Andrew Garfield's character that is the heart of that movie. He's great. And God, he's good in that. Yes, he is.
1: Yeah. All the actors playing the attorneys, Rashida Jones. I mean, everybody in it is great. They all play their parts really well. Mm-hmm. It humanizes the thing. Max Minghella also fantastic in that. Yeah, it is really good. It's got to be a contender for sure. It is yeah. a contender. I don't it's know if it's so number one good. for me. But no, it's I so think
0: good. I think I have a personal number one.
1: I do want to talk about Charlie Wilson's war. I don't think it is the best one, mm-hmm. but just any scene with Philip Seymour Hoffman in that movie is so good. Yeah. From his, the first time he meets Charlie Wilson and he keeps having to leave and come back in. Amy Adams is great as his lead. He's got all these like beautiful women that he's surrounding himself with that you think are airheads. And then when there's a crisis, they're all like the most competent people yeah. in the room. It's really, uh, really good, really smart. Julie Roberts is great. The Whole cast is, I mean, fantastic. that Tom Hanks,
0: Julia Roberts and Philip Seymour Hoffman, right? The, the fact that Amy Adams is just a tertiary character. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Again, it's everybody wants to work with this guy. All of the great actors of their time, uh, whatever the time, that time is. Yeah. I would like to go back to a time prior to that. Okay. Where he worked with around the same time he was writing the play version of this. I think he was working on the screenplay and the play at the same time. We've already mentioned it. Josh Molina was in it and that is Jack Nicholson, Tom Cruise, friend of this show, Kevin Pollack. Demi Moore, Kiefer Sutherland, Noah Wiley. Yes. In A Few Good Men. Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon, winner of our, oh, and JT Walsh. JT Walsh. Winner of our, was it best movie monologue or best movie line? I think it was best movie line. Yeah, you can't handle the truth. That whole scene. Yeah. I think that A Few Good Men hits every one of the things that Sorkin does well, perfectly. You know what I mean? The dialogue pops the main characters all have their arc and their reason and their point of view and you care about all of them. It's the best courtroom drama of all time. Oh, that's tough. That's tough because Inherit the Wind exists, but... Sure. And 12 Angry Men exists, but I think it wins. Absolutely possible. It's Mm -hmm. up
1: there in the conversation, no doubt. Arguably, I don't look at it and go, no, these other two are way better. Like, oh yeah, it's way up there. Like, absolutely could be. I do think it is probably a Perfect Sorkin movie, like the most Sorkin yeah. of everything. The pacing, everything about it, it moves super fast, mm-hmm. but doesn't feel rushed. Where you wind up at the end, like it, just everything about it. My dad, I think one of his favorite lines is "Tan Hut." There's an officer on deck that like he yeah. loves that, and it's great. It gets you, gets you in yeah. the feels. It's you fantastic.
0: need a badge on your arm to have honor. Yeah. What did we do wrong? We did nothing wrong. Yes, we did. We were supposed to fight for those who can't fight for themselves. Ah. Oh. It's so good. So good. Did you know, Hal Lublin, and the people of the world out there, I talked a little, I mentioned that I think Aaron Sorkin does true stories very well. Yeah. Did you know that this is not straight from the imagination of Aaron Sorkin? This is from a Navy veteran who joined up with uh, the Navy JAG or whatever it is, the that Navy legal system, and went down, flew down to Guantanamo Bay to defend... A couple of marines who had been accused of a hazing ritual that their defense was it was at the orders of their commanding officer. Huh? Do you know who that person was? Tell me. Aaron Sorkin's sister, Deborah. Oh, that's right. I didn't. I right? feel like I didn't know it was somehow related. Some looks like a family story. It's a family story. And he wrote it when he was in his 20s. Are you yeah. kidding me? Straight out of, out of, out of Syracuse. Syracuse yeah fresh out of syracuse he wrote a few good men i mean coming out of the gate strong i think the only thing
1: that's in the film that's not in the play mm-hmm. is the newspaper stand what's the newspaper Where they, stand? a rolling stone gathers no moss they just speak to each other in aphorisms like that's just oh, yes. like a little transitional scene mm-hmm. but pretty much everything else is in there it's so good yeah the whole cat everybody in the cat just even the uh, you step outside, I'm fine here, sir. I'd like you to leave the room so we can talk about you behind your back. Like <laughs> it's so good. Ah, <sighs> it is fantastic. I do want to talk about uh, two more. One is the American President. The other mm-hmm. is Moneyball. The only two we haven't
0: talked about. We haven't talked about Molly's Game. Oh, Molly's Game is fine, which he also directed, and Jeremy Strong was in that. And Molly's yes. Game is a lot of fun. And Michael Sarah is in it. Idris Elba is great in that. Jessica Chastain. Jessica Chastain, yeah, she's br- absolutely brilliant in that movie.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's a good movie. I don't think it's better than Moneyball, and I don't think it's better than the American President. No so charming. Again, mm-hmm. that's like a if that it was almost like that was the test pilot program for the West Wing. Yeah. Right down to Martin Sheen playing the chief of staff.
3: Yeah. It's
1: really I mean and it's great.
0: It's just a fairy tale of a movie. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Wouldn't it be great if politics worked like this? Hey, here's an idea. What if the bachelor president fell in love? You know what I mean? Like, it's just a, oh, yeah. it's just such a sweet, wonderful, kind and joyful notion. You know? Yeah.
1: And everything about it is charming. The speech he gives at the end mm-hmm. when he finally stands up to Bob yeah, is so good. And also, again, we've gone through this list of actors. And one thing these actors have in common is that they are really skilled at delivering this dialogue. And it is yeah. easier. I'm sure you'll agree to this as two people who did the thrilling adventure hour for as long as we did and continue mm-hmm. to, is that when writing is good, it's way easier. Like you already have your roadmap. So you, oh, yeah. you still have to break it down and figure out what's going on, but it's not, yeah. you don't have to like dig in the sand too much to find it.
0: Right. You're not doing, you're not looking for subtext like it's a pinter play. The subtext yes. subtext is there in all the clues. It's yeah. yeah, it's, it's beautiful.
1: So I think uh one guy who's, Masterful delivery in the dialogue is Michael J. Fox, who is really yeah. underrated, even as popular and successful as he's been, is kind of underrated as an actual actor. And I think he's great in this. He's just like, fits him like a glove. You could have put him in the West Wing and it would have made
0: sense. Yeah. It's funny. It feels like in this movie, it's not the guy that played Marty McFly in an Aaron yeah. Sorkin movie. It's the guy that played Alex P. Keaton in a Sorkin movie.
1: Much closer to that. If Alex P. Keaton yeah. were a liberal, 100%. Yeah.
0: yeah. I
1: think Moneyball, the achievement of Moneyball is that it takes something that is probably not interesting to a lot of people. Math. Not everybody loves math and baseball. Yeah. Two things that people kind of get bored at, and he makes it fascinating. Well, Brad Pitt helps. Right. But he's got to deliver the lines, and he delivers them really well. As does Jonah Hill. This is like really the birth of Jonah Hill as an actor and his first Oscar nomination, and he's really good in it.
0: Yeah. He's doing
1: Sorkin. They're all doing Sorkin. So if you like baseball, mm-hmm. it's really good and even if you don't like baseball, you can still hook into it and you still get swept up in the winning streak and you're still heartbroken. Yeah. It's just so good. Everything from his first scene with the scouts to his last scene when he's meeting with the owner of the Red Sox and he's like, yeah. You know, they're sitting there, the owner's like he talks about his sister, he's like it's her birthday. I'm thinking about getting her something uh Uh, I don't, I don't know what to get her for a gift. What do you think? He's like, get her a scarf. Uh, where would I get that? With all due respect, I just lost. I just lost in the playoffs. Get her whatever the hell you want. (laughs) Like, or whatever that line is. Just a great, again, really, really good, but I don't think anything touches a few good men.
0: No, a few good men is perfect. Now, well, here's the question. Yes. Is there something that touches a few good men? And is that thing the West Wing? Boy, this is brutal. This is one of the, this is maybe the, arguably the greatest TV show of all time. One of the greatest TV shows of all time versus one of the greatest courtroom drama movies of all time.
1: It's really hard. It's such apples and oranges. Yeah. How do you, what do you think about this? I don't know that we've done this before. What's that? Co-champions. No. That it's a tie. How do you compare a TV show? Like, you might as well say... We the West can't wing do it. How? That's not it for... the mandate.
0: Well, wait, That's wait, wait,
1: wait. Just, let's just talk about it. All right. Because uh, the television show, he's got four seasons, really high yeah. highs. The lows aren't too low in yeah. that time. Then you have a movie that is about 90 minutes, 90 minutes to two hours long, that mm-hmm. is perfect in and of itself, but you never get the depth of relationship with the characters that you do in the West Wing because you don't have enough time.
3: Yeah, you get to know true. them
1: as exactly as long as you need to, to feel the way you need to feel, to be invested the way you need to be invested to get you all the way to the end. The West Wing has so much time to build all these things. And yeah. we we said Best Dan circuit Project, so we have to do it. But to me, that's the difficulty. I just don't think – I don't think we can take a movie as perfect mm-hmm. as it is and hold it up against four seasons of a television show and say it wins.
0: Let me throw this at you. Because I've seen every I've seen a few good men a million times. I've seen every episode of the West Wing. Yep. I will throw I will I will offer up the West Wing. I mean I will offer up a few good men
3: as the victor of this for two reasons. Mm. One, it was the first thing that he did outside of projects for school. Right. It is
0: absolutely young raw aaron sorkin at his earliest which happened to be a moment when he created a perfect courtroom drum. he created a perfect movie without years and years of practice writing great stuff before that so i think that that gives it a slight edge his youth gives it a slight edge on in that on that front on the second front, mm. I will throw out this and I will look philosophically at our show. We've done episodes about Star Trek. Yeah. And at the end of our episode, we've said, uh, you know, maybe you've never seen a Star Trek movie before. Watch this one. Maybe you've never seen a Fast and the Furious movie before. This is the one to watch. You know what I mean? Like we have a lot of times what we are doing, a, a service that we are doing mm. as people that are creating this show is offering to the world, if you want the best version of this thing, why don't you try this version? Hmm. And people recommend movies to me all the time. People recommend television shows to me all the time. The difference is, when someone recommends a movie, like, watch this movie, it's going to take two hours of your life. Versus, watch this TV show, it's going to take 58 hours of your life. So if part of the mandate of this show is to offer to the people of the world a victor that they should check out people got stuff to do give them the succinct two-hour aaron sorkin at his young perfect best in cinema form what do you think of that i think that's a really good argument it is probably way more accessible i'm with it i'm happy with either one i know they're both they're asterisk on this one they're both fantastic and brilliant
1: yeah truly people of the world Uh, We mentioned your favorite somewhere in here, whether it was the winner or not, your favorite Aaron Sorkin thing was in here somewhere. And guess what? You're not wrong. Nobody's wrong to have a favorite anything. But when we talk about the best in terms of accessibility, in terms of a white hot start to a career, uh, you're not going to do much better than a few good men. And if you're upset with me about it, I have one thing to say. I have no responsibility here whatsoever.
0: Asked and answered. Yeah. And you know what? If you don't like it, you can't handle the truth. Oh, oh boy, you. <laughs> you got burnt. <laughs> this topic is closed, but there are many more topics to discuss. So please reach out to us via email at we got this podcast at gmail.com or go to our
1: Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups. We got this podcast. Talk about the projects and the scenes and the characters. And the quotes that you love from Aaron Serkin. And maybe if you're not a fan and you're interested in checking it out, everybody can make different recommendations for you. You can figure out how you want to dip your toe into that particular pool. That is facebook.com slash group slash we got this podcast. Thank you to producer Ken Plume. You can support him at patreon.com slash Ken Plume. He's got a bunch of fun shows for you to check out. And you can also support him by supporting us during Max Drive or beyond. Thank you to researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kelman, and QA engineer Jen
0: Alba. And thanks, of course, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman, for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, the people of the world, for giving us an opportunity, as you do every week, to sit down and talk about things that we are passionate about. It is because of you. It is for you. It is with you that we do this. And I will leave you with one final Aaron Sorkin quote. Don't ever forget that you're a citizen of this world, and there are things you can do to lift the human spirit. Things that are easy, things that are free, things that you can do every day. Civility, respect, kindness, character. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. don't worry, everybody. We We got got this. this. We got this.
2: Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you.